album from this non-Christian Christian band, these group of four Irishmen, was something that helped me in my journey as I was walking in and out of my understanding of God's loving pursuit for me. There were moments in my high school years where I didn't know for sure that what I had been taught my whole life was real or accurate or true. But in hearing some of the songs on this album, it caused me to resonate with them saying, somebody else understands where I am. It was done very clearly in the second single that was released from that album. Let me read some of the lyrics for you. I've climbed the highest mountains. I've run through the fields only to be with you. Only to be with you. I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled these city walls, these city walls, only to be with you. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. No, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I've kissed honeyed lips, felt the healing in the fingertips. It burned like fire, this burning desire. I've spoke with the tongues of angels and I've held the hand of the devil. It was warm in the night. I was cold as a stone, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. No, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Deep within each of us, as we walk this path in this earth, searching for meaning and searching for satisfaction, we walk in a place that we say, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. There's some sense that I'm not quite where I'm supposed to be. There may be some sense that I'm not as happy or successful or fulfilled as I need to be. And the world in their kindness offers us all sorts of things that we can fill our lives with. They say to us, well, if you're successful in your job, if you work really hard, if you climb the corporate ladder, if you get recognition after recognition and salary increase after salary increase, then you'll be happy. You'll be fulfilled. You'll have found what you're looking for. And yet in some sense, when we attain those things, or for some reason, when we have a bad review, because certainly we didn't do anything bad. Or we lose that job because of redundancy or closing down of a company. That thing that we thought was going to fulfill us, that was going to make us whole, is gone. And we still haven't found what we're looking for. The world says to us, no, no, it's not your job. It's, it's your relationships. And sadly, I would have to say that the church has fallen into this some. You see, we say if you have the right relationships and you're built up and you find the person who makes you complete, then you will be happy. You will be fulfilled. Now, too often the church, quite honestly, has said, yes, that's right. You must have somebody else on this earth here to make you complete. And we negate in some ways the whole call to singleness that is throughout Scripture. So hear this. When the world says to us that coupling together, finding that significant other is important, the church wants to say to you this, following Christ, no, I'm the one who makes you complete and whole. And God blesses you with friendships that are deeper and deeper because of who I am. 
And so you don't have to rush to find that perfect person. Because this is what happens when you find that perfect person. The morning after, you wake up and you recognize they're not all that perfect. Their breath stinks of a pastrami sandwich that they got on their honeymoon night because you had fallen asleep. Okay, maybe that's just me and my wife because I had a pastrami sandwich on our honeymoon. I wasn't very smart then. You begin to have arguments and disagreements. And then if, if God blesses, you bring others into your family as children who definitely you will have arguments and disagreements with. And all of a sudden you realize, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And then the world says, no, no, it's not relationships and it's not your job. It, it's the things that you have. Like if you have the right toys, just find a hobby, a hobby that's really about who you are, a hobby that will build into what you want to do. You, whether it be golf or boating or knitting or cooking or watching people play video games. But then the internet goes down. Or your golf game just never seems to improve. Or that boat payment and upkeep is just so expensive that you have to let it go. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You see, the world wants to say to us, no, it's just casual sex. It's just having enjoyment and pleasure. It's the ability for you to just be overrun with ecstasy. And so we do that either through drugs or alcohol or sex or in some cases just eating and eating and eating. And we become obese and we become addicted or we become sick with diseases. And every time a relationship breaks down or a one night stand ends, we rip another piece of ourselves off. And we say, I'm not satisfied. I'm not happy. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And Jesus calls into that place and says, yes, the kingdom of the world is about destruction and bondage, but the kingdom of God is about freedom. And you will be filled. He says, this is what citizens of the kingdom of God hunger and thirst for. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not for fulfillment, not for happiness, not even for wholeness. Because we will look to so many other things to make us whole. But if you seek and hunger and thirst for righteousness, the promise is that you will be satisfied. So what does righteousness mean then, if that's the thing we're supposed to hunger and thirst for? Well, there's two ways in Scripture that, that righteousness shows itself. One of the ways, as those of us who live past Christ's resurrection, who weren't at the Sermon on the Mount actually hearing Jesus talk, what we see throughout the rest of Scripture, past the, the Gospels, those biographies of Jesus, is that righteousness is given to us through Christ alone. That is a sense that we're made right in the eyes of God. That we were wrong and we were His enemies, but because of Christ's death and resurrection, we're made right. So, Paul reminds us that for our sake, 
Christ became sin so that we could become his righteousness. See, righteousness in that term is a gift that's given to us. It's something that we receive. We don't do anything to earn it, nothing to attain it. There's not a checkbox that we have to click off. It's the fact that God in his loving pursuit of us, in his steadfastness, has come to us to bring us Christ's righteousness through his death and resurrection. So that's one way to look at it. But this is said before Jesus died and rose again. So what is the type of righteousness that Jesus is talking about here? Jesus is speaking to Israelites, and so their form of righteousness is this identity of the Torah, the law of God. And those who are righteous are living their lives in line with the Torah. They're living their lives in line with what the law of God has called. And not just the Ten Commandments, but all the law and the prophets. And so when Jesus is saying here, you must hunger and thirst for righteousness, he's saying you have a lifestyle. There is a living out of the law of God of all of his law and all of what the prophets have rung. We'll see that later in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, I have fulfilled all of the law and the prophets. So when he's talking about this type of righteousness, he's speaking of a lifestyle righteousness. Now, when we hear that and lifestyle and we hear in, it, in a Christian church, I think our minds automatically go to a very narrow scope of do's and don'ts. We begin to build the checklist of the things I'm not supposed to do and the things I'm supposed to do. The things that keep me good and the things that make me bad. And in some sense, that's true. There are things that we walk in that bring freedom that are good. And then there are things that we should avoid because in doing them, they bring bondage and trap us in the, in, as a citizen of this world. But even more than that, if we look at it, it is when Jesus says righteousness, he is saying a Torah lifestyle, and a Torah lifestyle is one that seeks peace, justice, mercy, and freedom. That's for yourself and for all others that you encounter. So it means that we live our lives in a way that is pursuing God's good on this earth for all. And that there is anything that we do that keeps us from bringing about God's good rule on this earth, then that's something we should stop doing. Whether that's something that we think about ourselves, like I'm a terrible person and God can never love me, that's something that is not Torah living. Because God says, I do love you and I do pursue you. Don't believe that false identity. Grab hold that you are my child. Or if it's that we have become addicted to some substance, something in our life that holds us down, then we must work to break free of that. But it's more than just about us. It's also about seeing others who are under oppression and bondage as well. So that means that we should be sharing our faith with those that are in our lives. We should be moving to a place that we're saying to them, I've met something and someone who is greater than all the things that give you pain. That a Torah lifestyle is saying, God loves you. And expressing it in word and deed to those that we encounter. But more than that, it's fighting against injustice and oppression when we see it. Whether it be in an individual who's trapped in bondage to something or something larger that is systemic. That we look at it and say, that cannot stand. 
How do we fight against it? How do we bring to bear the righteousness of God upon it? Now, I can't stand up here and tell you what those things are for you each individually. But what I can say is that if we go into Scripture and we dig deep into the Word of God, we begin to have them spring forth in us. And this is what happens. We begin to hunger and thirst for it. Now, those words hunger and thirst are very important because they mean I am famished. I am starving. I have not eaten for days and I cannot wait to get something in my gullet. I am thirsty. I am parched. My lips are cracking and I cannot wait to have something come and wash over my fattening tongue because I have not had any liquid for days. It's that dramatic. It's as dramatic as if somebody is on a fast and they're not eating much and they wake up on Sunday because in Lent that can be a celebration Sunday and you can eat and you remember you have a half of a galante sandwich left in the refrigerator and you go eat it for breakfast at six in the morning. It tasted good. I thought about it all day yesterday. See, we long for it. We can't get enough of it. We can't want for it. And it says then that you are satisfied. What does it mean for us to be satisfied? That's the amazing thing about this world. Jesus was being over the top. We would say, don't be so dramatic, Jesus. Because he says, you're dying of hunger, you're dying of thirst, but if you seek this righteousness with that type of hunger and thirst, then you will be satisfied. Not satisfied like, hmm, that was a lovely meal, I really appreciated that. But satisfied to the fact that you are like, oh man, I'm over full, I'm overloaded. So much so that if we think about a cup being poured out and the water coming in, that it doesn't just sit at the rim like and stop and we're like, that's a full cup. It is overflowing. It can't hold anymore. Jesus is saying that if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be overflowing with what? Righteousness. That means in our hunger, in our desire for this, it spreads out over everybody that we, it makes a mess to everyone that we encounter. I like to think of myself as an okay preacher. But the prince of preachers was Charles Spurgeon. He's an Englishman. He preached this amazing sermon on December 14th, 1873, about this passage. And what he says here is really good, and so I feel like I should just quote him. So if you don't mind. The man who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, beloved, honestly desires to see righteousness promoted among his fellow man. He wishes that all men would do as they would be done by. And he tries by his own example, to teach them to do so. He wishes that there was no fraud, no false witness, no perjury, no theft, no sexual uncleanness. He wishes that right ruled in the world. He would account if a happy day, if every person could be blessed, and if there were no need of punishment for offenses because they had ceased. He longs to hear that oppression has come to an end, he wants to see good government in every land. He longs for wars to cease and that the rules and principles of right and not force and the sharp edge of the sword may govern all mankind. 
His daily prayer is this, Lord, let your kingdom come, for thy kingdom is righteousness and peace. When he sees any wrong done, he grieves over it. And if he can't alter it, he grieves all the more. And he labors as much as lieth in him to bear a protest against wrong at every short. He hungers and thirsts after righteousness. He does not hunger and thirst that his own political party may get into power, but he does hunger and thirst that the righteousness may be done in the land. He does not hunger and thirst that his own opinions may come to the front or that his own sect or denomination may increase in numbers and influence, but he does desire that righteousness may come to the fore. He does not crave for himself that he may be able to sway his fellow man according to his own imaginings, but he does wish that he could influence his fellow man. For that which is true and right for his soul is all on fire with this one desire, righteousness. Righteousness for himself before God and righteousness between man and man. This he longs to see. And for this he hungers and thirsts. And therein Jesus says that he is blessed. Now, here's the amazing thing, the both and of the gospel, when we hear this beatitude to us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. They will be overflowing. It's this. The both and is we have a promise to be filled up. Yet as it runs out of us, we go back into being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. As we see our satisfaction get filled and overflowing, we then become thirsty again. We become hungry again. It's not a one-time deal. We don't get filled up to overflowing and then it stops. We look at it and we say, now that I see what the righteousness of God does in my own life, in the life of those who are around me, I can't wait to get more and more of this righteousness in my life. And so we do. We move. We trust deeply in the work that Jesus has done because here's what Paul's telling us, really. That that Torah life, that citizen life in the kingdom that Jesus is saying within this beatitude is fulfilled already in what Christ has done. And so we have received it and we do it. Martin Lloyd-Jones is also an English pastor, British pastor, And he said this about this passage. The Christian is one who at one and the same time is hungering and thirsting, and yet he is filled. And the more he is filled, the more he hungers and thirsts. That is the blessedness of this Christian life. It continues to go on. We are perfect, yet not perfect. Hungering and thirsting, yet filled and satisfied. But unless we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we shall never have it. We shall never have and know the fullness that is promised to us. If you know the song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You recognize that I've left some parts out. I stopped midway through that song. There's a sense that as Bono is singing this song, we hear this cry of dissatisfaction. I'm looking, he's saying to God, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still don't know if it's there. But he goes on to say this. 
I believe in the kingdom come. Then all the colors will bleed into one, bleed into one. Yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds and you loosed the chains. You carried the cross of my shame, of my shame. You know, I believe it. Today, Jesus is saying to us, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's saying, I am that righteousness. Hunger and thirst after me. You may still feel when you walk out of here that you haven't found what you're looking for, but God calls out to you through Christ saying, I am he who will fill you up to overflow. And by doing that, you will bring a blessing to all that you meet that they are approved, that they are known, that they are loved by the God who wants to bring us into whole truth, right relationship with Him and with ourselves, with all others, and even the place that we live. Let me pray for us. Father, You are good, and all You do is good. You bless us so that we can be a blessing. You fill us up so that we can fill up others. Father, if any of these words are not your words, we ask that they burn up and they blow away. But if any of them are, please allow them to take root in our heart so that they will bring glory to you and motivate us and push us to do the good works you have laid out before the foundation of the world for us to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we respond together?